We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Welcome to the Pragmatic Doulas podcast. We are recording. Hello, hello. And we, and we have, have like a, we have like a lo- a gang, today. a gaggle. We have a gaggle, a gaggle of doulas. A gaggle of doulas. <laughs> yeah, it's better than being called a herd. A herd of doulas. I don't want to be a herd. I don't want to be a herd. A flock? How about a flock? A flock of doulas? A murder of doulas? A murder of doulas. <laughs> or some a old crows? Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. Um, so today's our special book club episode. We hope you have read your book and are going to follow along and send us lots of comments. And we bet Steph is holding her book up too, but she's frozen. So I don't have a physical book. I have the audio book. Oh, that's right. You Uh, had it read to you. Yes, I did. You didn't actually read it. You had it read to you. (laughs) Yes, I did. No shame. But you mentioned no, we have a full of doulas here. So who who is in our gaggle of doulas? Let us introduce our gaggle of doulas. Yes. Christine, do you want to go first since you're you're brand new to this? Sure. Yeah, definitely brand new. Uh, I'm Christine Crook, and I reside in Ottawa. And I'm a birth and a postpartum doula and a childbirth educator. I also encapsulate placentas. And I am a proud mom of two boys. They are 20 and 18. Excellent. That's me. Thank you very much for joining us, Christine. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's nice to have um, community members, listeners come on. It makes us feel valid and legitimate. I'm a big fan. I don't think I've missed a single episode. I'm a total pragmatic doula geek. Oh, God. Oh, no. (laughs) And once again. We didn't pay you to to say that either. You did not pay me to say that. No. (laughs) I will take some, though, if you want. We don't have any money. Nobody pays us to do this. (laughs) I'll say more if you slip me a pen. (laughs) And we also have Carissa over there joining us again. Back by popular demand. Glad to be here. I love the book. We have a birth doula, postpartum doula, doula instructor, uh, CVE. That's about it right now. That's probably enough. Mm. Where do you live, Carissa? Sorry, I live in in Toronto. I live in Etobicoke, West Toronto. I have two daughters, uh, 31 and 28. Beautiful. So there are no spring chickens on this podcast today. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) We're experienced. Experienced. That's it. Seasoned Seasoned. uh, gaggle of doulas here. Veterans. We We know our way around, which is good for this book that we're about to read, that we're about to talk about because... Um, yeah, I want to talk about some of the birth specifics in there. Yeah. I have, I don't know if it's my job, but I just, I did it last time. I sort of facilitated the discussion, came up with the questions. Please. But for sure, if anybody ever, if anybody has their own thoughts, ideas, or questions that they've come up with, please feel free to 
dive in there whenever you uh, whenever you find a good spot. But before, and of course, the rest of us are here. Kim is here over there on the ones and twos. That's her. And Steph is down there. I'm pointing down like like this makes sense to anybody. On my screen, Steph is at the bottom. <laughs> Amazing Stephanie Alouche down there at the bottom. Her face is frozen, but that's okay. We know she's there lurking behind her little picture. It's like you got good Botox. <laughs> you got, looks like you got great Botox. Yeah, sadly right. on sadly on YouTube you'll show up as a blank screen, so nobody gets to actually oh, see what no. you look like. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's recording. Because I'm recording it. Yeah. So what I see is actually a blank screen. So. Me too. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Too bad for them who don't get yeah. to see your face. Before we go any further, I would like to read a land acknowledgement. This is something that we have started doing a few months ago, and it's uh, really important to us. So please give me a moment to put my second set of eyes on <laughs> because it's like teeny tiny on my phone all right the uh land that we are currently recording this podcast on most of us maybe not you christine because you're a little bit farther east and north than us but similar um is the traditional territory of many nations including the mississaugas of the credit the anishinaabe the chippewa the haudenosaunee and the wendat peoples and it's now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis people. Uh, we also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and uh, Chippewa bands. Uh, Toronto is built on sacred land that is part of an agreement between Indigenous peoples and then extended to allied nations to peacefully and respectfully care for it. And by personally making this land acknowledgement, we are taking part in an act of reconciliation honoring the land and indigenous heritage, which dates back over 10,000 years there. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You're welcome. So, um, so do, do we want to start with just a check-in to see how everybody's yeah. doing before we dive deep into this? Yeah, let's do really that. Really good book. All right. Yeah, let's do that. So how is everybody doing with life, COVID, COVID COVID corner, is that what we're doing? COVID no. corner. Why don't, we, why don't we do CS corner, like a um, a COVID school corner? Because okay. that's what kind of, we've all been in lockdown or, or, you know, partial lockdown or whatever for months and months now, but this school thing is new. So if you have, and all of us have, well, some of us have older kids, much older. So if that doesn't affect you, fantastic. Aren't you lucky? Uh, but if you've got anybody in your house who is going back to school, how is that happening for them? And how do you feel about that? You guys let's mind start, if jump in here? Yeah, let's start with Steph. Um, so it was very much at the very last minute, the kids decided to go virtual. Um, not so much because of COVID itself, but people's behaviors around COVID. Um, also, everyone taking one for the team because uh, I'm not able to drive anyone. Abby's school is on the other side of Mississauga. Um, and we weren't comfortable with her taking the bus there and back, the public transit, because she doesn't uh, qualify for school busing. Anyhow, um, Megan also decided to do home to school from home right now, or, or online school. We found out actually on the first day of school where she did not go, there was a huge fight in her school. Oh my God. Because, um, 
one person accused another person of getting too close to them, trying to pass in the hallway. And although they accused that person of getting too close to them, um, they started a fist fight with them and more people got involved and it turned into a ginormous fight in the hallways on the third floor of school. It was a melee. Yes, of, and it was, it was like, I think it was like all the tension around what people, you know, carrying fears. And so everyone's snippy and jumpy and irritable and accusing. And it just ended up, it started with this one fight. It led to other fights and it spread. And so I'm really thankful that Megan didn't get caught up in that because most of her classes are on the third floor of her high school. It's a big school. Um, and that's why she was willing to not go, not so much about COVID, but about how people are reacting to it. Yeah, so she's home for the first semester um, until she feels like she can, until the school kind of has the, the kinks ironed out. She wants to go back, but she doesn't want to go back to that. For sure, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Abby's school has made adjustments for her. So she's actually not doing online school. Technically, she's going in once a week, um, collecting assignments. There's only, she goes to a, a, a very specific school with a specialized program. There's actually, there's 30 kids enrolled in it, but only five showed up. So she goes in once a week, collects all of her stuff, can connect with her teacher online the rest of the week and get her work done. But uh, oh, like independent study kind of. Yeah. It's yeah, very that's good. Yeah, that's cool. So everyone's good now, and I think we're particularly thankful that uh, that we decided not to send them back. Not again, not so much about COVID itself, but the uncertainty of all these kids who have been isolating suddenly thrown back into group settings together, mm -hmm. and then we're expecting them to really handle it well when fucking adults aren't handling it well. And ironically, the fight was about someone getting too close with each other, and then they end up in a fight. Yes. <laughs> so they're touching each other. Yes. Yeah. And breathing moistly. Yes. They are breathing moistly upon each other, and it spread. It spread down the hall. Gross. The uh, people got into a fight. Like, it was one thing after another. Brutal. Crazy. Craziness. Oh, just closing my flimsy curtains. Okay. <laughs> Great. Who wants to go next? Carissa, do you have anybody? Um, Not in my household, but my nephew. I was actually just chatting with my sister. He goes to school in Etobicoke, and she's decided to not send him to traditional school. But a friend and another friend, uh, two friends, uh, three friends, sorry, have gone together on a tutor for three days a week. Um, one person has donated the space of their basement and have set it up as a classroom. So these four students who've been sort of together all summer anyway will study together. Right. So the cost of this I've seen one that. That's cool. Yeah, and the setup yeah. is beautiful. It's really simple. Um, but that way they at least have some time together um, and they can have art class, they can have activities outside, all that, but they're still covering the uh, TDSB criteria, but they'll be doing it together with the tutor. So yeah, I was pretty excited about that for him. That's great. I love this amount of creativity that people are showing. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you, Christine? Yeah, my boys are um, out of uh, the high school genre now. My oldest is here at home and 
he was going to go to Algonquin here in Ottawa, but they canceled the course. So it's a really hands-on course. So there's no options. We just have to wait this out and wait for the course to come available for him. But he's lucky as a part-time job. And my 18-year-old is in New Brunswick at university in the Atlantic bubble. So he left mid-August and self-isolated in his dorm room. Oh, frozen. He survived pretty good. They brought him food. They did his laundry. He was actually living the life. He could play video games all day long. Everyone's like, how's Alex doing? I'm like, ah, he's fine. Don't you worry about that guy. Wow. Yeah, so classes have started and half of their classes are in person. They're they're taking all the classes, but only having them in spaces at the university that's really big and open. So their auditorium, their art gallery, so that they can all sit far apart. So half is in person and half is um, online. So he's doing good and I'm, I'm really thankful I don't have school-aged children. And I feel for all the families that are going through this with their kids right now. I just, I can't even imagine it. Agreed. See, I, I love that too. More creativity. Use all the spaces in the university campus. Yeah. And half online and half in person makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. He says it's going really well. I'm not too worried about him. And he, don't, he won't be able to come home at Thanksgiving because if he did, he would have to self-isolate again for 14 days. Mm-hmm. So three days isn't worth it. So that kind of sucks. But then he'll be able to come home a longer stay at Christmas. They're extending the Christmas break so kids can be home for almost four weeks instead of two weeks. Yeah. They're kind of taking the reading weeks and putting a little bit at Christmas so that everyone can be away longer so that the self-isolation is worth it when you come back, which is great. So it's good. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Kimberly. Um, well, I mean, Thomas is in college. He was supposed to start college, but um, it's all it's all online, which is good because the college he chose is in Oshawa and he'd have to go live with his dad in Ajax and I get to keep him here now. Um, so selfishly, I'm happy about that. <laughs> um, and Allie was going to go to uh, in-person school and then beginning of this week when the COVID numbers in Ontario hit over 300 several days in a row, um, she decided to pull the plug on that. So um, I moved her to virtual school, like just sent an email at like five o'clock at night to the principal and the principal like pretty much responded immediately and said, yep, we'll switch her over. And I said, I messaged back and go, seriously, that's it? Like, I don't have to do anything? She goes, nope, that's it. If she's already registered with the school, we'll just move her over. And I go, okay, great. Now, having said that, in the meantime, they were supposed to start, she was supposed to start school, in-person school today. And she got a timetable and, you know, links for classes and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that when they realize that she's not actually there, (laughs) um, that somebody will go, um, where is Alexandra? Um, but I was fully prepared at that point. She goes, well, what if I can't change? What if I can't change? And I'm like, then you just take the semester off. If I can't fix this for you and I can't make you feel comfortable, then we just don't go to school. And that's yeah. the end of that, like period. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I mean, learning to me, being in class learning to me is not about the things that you learn. It's not about, you know, learning this fact and knowing how to do that. It's about learning how to learn. And it's about using critical thinking and, and using your brain. And 
she has that in spades. So if she misses something, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to send her into a situation where she's not comfortable. And I've always put it on my kids that, look, you do the research, you do the benefits and risk analysis, and you decide what's going to be best for you. We did that with their immunizations. We're doing that with their schooling. Like you decide what's going to be the best option for you. And I will support the decision that you make as long as you're making like a doula, as long as you're making that decision based on benefits and risks and you're taking everything into account, you're just, you're 16 years old at this point. You can make that decision for yourself. So, um, at the last minute, she just decided that was not a risk she was willing to take and, uh, sure, no problem. So we switch you over. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of a shitty week for me. So COVID and these numbers going up has not helped matters. And of course my kids are all, my oldest is a little bit ranty about it as well. Um, so he's, he's pretty convinced that we're all just going to die inside our houses and that's it. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to change and we might as well just get used to it. So he's, a, he's a little doom and gloom right now. <laughs> um, but uh, he's a great uh, way of going from one extreme to the other. So and his classes are all online too, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. But he, he still works. So he's, he's at work this afternoon. He's working in the restaurant. So, which, you know, I'm, that's frustrating him as well because it's a lot of work and they have new people and he's a perfectionist and he hates the way everybody else does things. And so, so yeah, it's been a treat. It's been a really great week. <laughs> that's a treat. Yeah. It's a treat. Susan, have your have your grandkids? Are your grandkids back at no, school? All of my my kids' kids, the ones who came out of my uterus, are all grown up. So I don't have any school issues to be concerned about. Like Noah's doing a course, but that's online. But um, there's nobody like going to like school school. My grandkids are actually also doing all virtual. So they uh, they had made that decision as uh, right at the very beginning when they heard that there was that option that's it. They were doing virtual. I mean, they're, they, they've got a homeschooling heritage because their dad was homeschooled and I homeschooled all my kids. So, so staying home to learn stuff is totally like we, we absolutely know for sure that you can learn all knowledge is out there. All of the information you need in, for any subject at all is out in the world. It's not locked up inside schools. So, you know, we've always all believed that. And so have they, and yeah, so they're, they're virtual too. <clears throat> my sister, my nephew is virtual, but I think that my, all my, that was a big extent of family. So I think my cousin's kids, most of them have gone back, but my sister's youngest is at home and her oldest, her daughters who are in um, university and college are all online. And she has one daughter in high school who's doing like that two days on, two days off. I like that Durham has done that where it, it is, it's not all in person or all virtual. They've got it sort of, you go in a few days a week and then the rest of your class for, for a couple of classes and then the rest is virtual or something like that. So that makes sense to me. Um, so yeah, that's, I love the creativity that everybody has shown, you know, come up with different ways to make this shit work. So can we come up with different ways for babies to be born outside of hospitals so we can 
keep going to births. <laughs> that would be, there's wow. no such creativity in the birth world. <laughs> there is none. There is none. I mean, there, you must there think are, inside the are, box. There still are concerns, especially in the TDSB about class sizes. That is absolutely an issue and I don't understand it. But this episode is not about a rant about the stupid Ministry of Education, believe it or not. <laughs> but they're, but the, the TDSB is kind of being, playing fast and loose in some ways with safety that I, I, I think. So, and if you disagree with me, that's fantastic. Email me and we'll fight. Go ahead. Fight me. Fight me. I think Suzanne, a lot of people will take your lead or your example that I think, you know, my sister might be one of those people who might not ever put her son back into public school. Yeah. This might be a new norm for a lot of people. It, it might be a new norm when people realize the freedom, oh my God, yes. your ability to cram a bunch of work in to Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because you want to go on an extended camping trip for yeah. the rest of the week. Yeah. That freedom is, is invaluable or, you know, two people are sick, so everything just shuts down in the house yeah. for three days till everybody feels better or whatever. It, it's, um, there's, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Just the thinking outside the box, like you said, and being creative, I think a lot of people will see things very differently. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. Oh, okay. That was a fruitful check-in. Thank you everybody for sharing. So shall we get into the meat of this episode? Mm. Do it. All right. So we are discussing this. Is it every other month we're doing this? I forget. It was, right? Okay. The last time we did this, we did it in August. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, no, July. 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 Yep. Okay. So the next time we do this will be in November, correct? Yep. Yes, All right. We are discussing Emma Donahue's recent book, her most current work, The Pull of the Stars. And let's talk about Emma Donahue for a second. Has anybody else read any of her other books? Raise your hand, if so. I have. Hello. <laughs> uh, you can, you staff or no? Yeah, Room, right? Yeah. Yes, she's, yep. written, she's written a lot of books, but Room is probably the most popular one because of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I've also read The Wonder. So she's, she's, I was surprised at how many books she's written. Like, me there's too. a huge list. Yeah, huge list. I, I, I thought she only wrote the ones that I read. How very, very self-centered of me. <laughs> How dare there be other books that I haven't read? But uh, yeah, so if anybody's read The Room, it's it was done. Almost every book club did that book. And then, of course, the movie came out. And a lot of people watched did that movie. Did you see this one title? The Woman Who Gave Birth to Rabbits. Yes. Yes, I was scrolling through her book titles. And some of them were very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I had no idea. Why don't we, somebody volunteer to give a brief synopsis of the book, please. Okay. This is, okay, about, the this is about the kind of book club where you show up for wine and snacks. I will. Go, Christine. Go. So everybody's read the book, so do it. Give us the synopsis. So the synopsis of this book is it's a story that takes place in the early 1900s during a flu pandemic. And 
The whole story revolves around a labor and delivery nurse or a nurse midwife. What I'm, I'm not sure how they really classify her. Mm. I don't know if they call her a midwife, but she runs, she is in charge of the fever room in the labor and delivery ward. So she is taking care of the birthing um, people who have this flu. So she um, nurse power and she takes care of the ladies uh, having babies and it's the whole book is over only about three days and she gets a helper and then her interactions with the doctors and the hospital and obviously this is going to be a huge spoiler if I go any further so what are the rules around this because nobody here can tell me they saw coming what came Oh, I think that at this point, spoilers are fine. So yeah. if people are listening and they haven't read the book yet, too bad for them because we told them about it in July. And honestly, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But if you if you read anything on the book, like you only pretty much get that information. It's during a pandemic, um, and it's about mamas having babies during this pandemic in the early 1900s. So it's so interesting on the timing of when this book comes out for us here in our existing culture, but she actually started writing it like three years ago, four yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, of course when COVID hit, as it almost everyone says, it changed everything. And then they, that, they fast tracked it to get it out and onto the shelves during this time. And so might I also say that this book is said in a pandemic, but it's not just a pandemic. It is the pandemic, the Spanish flu pandemic right. during World War One. It's also said in Dublin, in Ireland, and that that feels like a big deal to me because the setting is very. All of her books, well, the books that I've no room wasn't, but The Wonder was also set in Ireland. Um, well, because she's from and, Ireland originally. Yes, yeah, she's from she Ireland in, in Dublin. And uh, uh, yeah, and she, I thought that was really cool that she started researching this book years ago. So obviously she didn't know anything about COVID that was going to come up. And then she had just sort of finished it up at the end of last year and they pushed it forward quickly so that, because I thought somebody wrote a book about COVID already. <laughs> wow, that's quick. But no, it was just a, just a coinky dink that she was writing about this topic. Anybody want to add anything, add anything else about the story, about the summary of the story? Um, I don't think so. I mean, really, it's, it's just one, well, I could say one, woman exper one woman's experience, but it's quite all the women on that ward, but it's about that one woman and her, how she works through the misogyny, her limitations, her growth, herself, uh, all during a fucking pandemic. <laughs> On a yeah. Feed. yeah. All right. Thank you for that brief synopsis. So what we like to do is we're going to do a round robin and go around and everybody's going to give the book a rating out of 10, between one and 10, one being the worst book I've ever read, 10 being the best book I've ever read. Uh, and you're going to give a brief, brief explanation as to why you are giving it that mark, that rating. Okay, so I'm going to start at the bottom with Stephanie. Work my way clockwise around the clock. Stephanie, what's your rating for this book out of 10? Eight. Eight? Why? Solid, solid eight, close to nine. Um, it hit all the markers. Of course, it, it hits close to home right now with everything we are 
experiencing and the explanations of the Spanish flu and how it affects so many people differently and that it's the great unknown. Mm. Um, so much of it is that it so reflects what's happening today, but the character development, the characters they chose to introduce, the challenges that are so, that might've been in 1918, but they're still so real today. We're so beautifully and realistically written that you, I did not want to put it down. And the only reason I fall short of even like a nine or a 10 is because I wanted more. When it ended, I didn't feel like it was a bad ending. I thought it was a very, it was a great ending. And it was a realistic ending and it felt right to the character, but I fucking wanted more. Like at the end, I'm like, what? No, <laughs> I need more of this character. I need to know how she does. Um, yeah, so maybe solid. It'll be, maybe it'll be a sequel. I hope so. Like, or, or maybe I don't, maybe that wanting is part of the joy, but mm. I don't know, but solid eight, nine for, for this book. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. Thank you. Christine, what do you rate this book and why? So I too float between an eight and a nine. So I'll say an eight and a half. It obviously for a birth worker reading this, it just sparks something within you to hear the history. And, um, <clears throat> you know, like I watch the silliest shows because I'm at some point someone's going to have a baby and now I have to keep watching to see the birth story. Like there, as a birth worker, I think, I think you get kind of drawn in and addicted to anything birth related. Um, I, I had the physical book, but I also listen to audiobooks and I have a Kobo and I'm grateful. Unlike Stephanie, when she was like, what? Like, I think when you have the physical book, you have a, a, a visual of how much further there is to go. So you start preparing for the end. Yeah. But I find when I listen to an audio book and it just stops, I'm like, what the hell? Like, so having a physical book was, was better for this book so I could prepare for the end coming. Um, I, I've just never been affected by a story that kind of ended in that way to, to see the love and to see that part. I was bawling. And um, the really the only thing that I didn't like about this book was like a typing thing. Like, why? What does she have against quotation marks? Ah, yes, that's right. That's <laughs> Nobody comment. I get a prick. That's one of the questions. Oh, what the fuck? I, I was like, who's not? When yeah. did she start talking? When did she stop talking? It took me a while for my brain to get used to figuring that stuff out. But everything about the story was amazing. Everything about how it unfolded was amazing, disturbing at times. Like there's so much, you know, trauma for this poor woman. But um, other than the missing quotation marks, I'm like right up there is one of the best books I've ever read. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Kim? Um, I'm going to go like maybe seven, seven and a half. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the ending, uh, to be honest. I think I agree about the fucking quotation marks, um, but we'll get into that, I think, in a, in a bit. Um, I, I think for me, it almost felt like the book was rush written, like it, 
I would have liked to have seen more character development of her brother. I would have liked to have seen um, more character development of her. Um, you know, it just felt like there was too much emphasis put in areas where I didn't necessarily care. Um, I will say though, as a birth worker, during the birthing scenes and 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 whatnot that was described I'm like yep that's what i would have done yep that's what i would have done yep that was yeah. good yep nope good for you yeah. um usually you hear these you read this stuff now granted obviously it was like every birth was not great um it would have been nice to have one that was you know maybe pretty damn good um but whatever um but yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the ending. Not that it ended, I just didn't like the way it ended. So um yeah, I'll go seven, seven and a half. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, so it's my turn. Um and I'm going to give this book a six and a half because I'm so mean and stingy. <laughs> with my book grading hardcore but i also felt just like kim said i do felt i did feel like it was rushed the story was rushed i felt like they glossed she glossed over the surface there was so much like you said her brother there was so much there that, yeah. that could have been flushed out yeah so much more about bridie and her story so much about the doctor what's her, what's her name hannah dr lynn dr lynn so there's so many things that she little nuggets that she just threw at you that you're like oh, oh what's this oh that's all okay and then and then it happened over three days and in three days imagine look think about everything that happened so much life and death and romance and that and everything all crammed into one day and in one room which is the next thing that i wanted to say about emma donahue I kept on rolling my eyes because all three of the books of hers that I've read all take place in one room. <laughs> mm -hmm. Believe it or not, The Wonder, the other book of hers that I've read, also takes place in one room with mm. somebody sick in a bed. Mm. Maybe that's so, just her jam. Maybe that's just like what she wants to be jam. known for. It seems like her jam and it was a, a stuffy, smelly kind of jam. Anyways, the, the, it got six and a half because of, because a lot of the birthy stuff in there, um, even though I felt a lot of it was sensationalized that people who are not in the birth world tend to do about birth because as yep. we know, most birth is really boring. Now, okay, m mind you, these are people who have the friggin' plague practically, yeah. right? But still, the, it was a lot of- I would have liked, I would have liked one. Like just one that was normal, boring, boring birth. Brought out, push for an hour, maybe come out. That's latches on. We're all good. Have a nice day. We'll see you next year. Like that one woman was in labor for two days, guys. Two days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. With a bad outcome. This yeah. is true. <laughs> so, anyways, that I give you see my cat behind me. Yes, I can. Oh, oh, we, oh, we barely could see like our, our glowing eyes. It's almost Halloween. That's a Halloween portent. Um, so yeah, I gave it a six and a half. So not horrible, but not definitely not great. That's fair. But would you go back and read more of her books just to find out if it's based in another fucking room? 
<laughs> oh, I, I'll just, yeah, no, I won't do that. I'm texting her quotation marks in her next book. Please. I'm not reading another book without quotation marks. No. Yeah, please. Carissa. Does anyone know why that happened? Why she did that? It's a question. We're going to have that. It's a question. We're going to come to it after. Okay. Carissa has to give us her rating. I was going to give it an eight. I feel like if you weren't a birth worker, you wouldn't find it as good. I, the quotations made me insane. We'll talk about it later. Um, I found the beginning hard to get through. And then all of a sudden it just went, I went, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And I couldn't stop turning the pages. So I loved it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it really changed. I wanted more of the love story. For me, that was huge. And I felt like it was not even remotely enough time. So yeah, but I wonder when we want more from a book, it's because, is it because we're used to watching shows that have many episodes? Do you think, mm. oh, well, you get the big readers. That's not it. So it's not that. I always wonder too, when we want, when people say they want more from a book, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Right? Yeah, I think it's a good does, thing. Does, does the author inspire you to want to know more, deep, dive deeper into the story and the characters, or does it leave you feeling empty and hanging and lacking? I don't know. It, I didn't feel bad from the book. I liked the book a lot, like I said, but I just felt like there was a couple things that she could have dug into a bit more, or there could have... I liked being shocked by the love affair. I liked the fact that it happened. Um, yeah. I didn't like the ending either, so. <laughs> All right. Great. Thank you for your ratings. So eight and a half, eight and a half, seven and a half, six and a half, and eight? Is that, did you give eight, Chris? Yeah, okay. All right, that's pretty good. I would say an average of around seven, seven and a half. That's not go. bad. We should write to Emma Donahue and tell her we gave her a solid seven and a half. Seven, I was, I was like a seven and a half student in school <laughs> my life. So heck, that's not bad. Okay, hey, next hey, question. It's a pass. <laughs> right? He's a pass. We're not talking 5.5, which is also a pass barely. 7.5 is a decent passing grade. Okay, next question is what, who was your favorite character and why? Because there were some characters. Few, there were very few characters, but, and like we all, some of us said they wanted to know more. I felt like she could have filled, flushed things out a little bit. Um, who was your favorite character? We'll go back down again to Steph. Friday, hand, hands down. However, whenever she would say Bridie, in my head, I kept, kept wanting to correct it to Birdie. Birdie, me yeah. too. <laughs> it's, it's one of those names like Hermione for, for, for like about a year or long into reading the Harry Potter books, we would have debates about if it was Hermione, Hermione. And then when we heard it was Hermione, we were like, Hermione, that's the weirdest thing ever. So, so yeah, I kept reading it as Birdie. Said, no, it's BR, Bridie, Bridie, Bridie. What did you like about Bridie? Um, this is going to sound corny. Her unbridled way of just going in and doing things. Just do it. She had no assumption that she would fail to do something that she chose to try to do. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just kept going. Like whenever they, she would be asked to do something or offered to do something, she would just do it. And never with the assumption that she should judge herself for failing. It, she just went and did it. And I loved that. 
about her. Yes. Uh, and of course, the development of the love story. You know, the I, she just again went with it, mm-hmm. felt something, and moved with it. And it was, it was, it was surprising, and it was wonderful, and it was absolutely in keeping with that character. And I was so sad when the first hints of her illness came in. It's like, fuck yeah. no, yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> And it yeah. kept coming and it kept coming and it, it made, it actually made me have a, I had like a, a pit in my stomach as she deteriorated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the, all the characters were quite interesting. Again, there weren't that many, but I, I really, really, really enjoyed every minute that was discussed with her, anything that had to do with her on those pages. Yeah. Beautiful. Christine, who did you like the best? I liked Birdie too. Bridie, yeah. not Birdie. <laughs> I I literally finished like the last ten pages this morning, and it was only this morning that I realized it was BR. Like literally this morning. I never did until and just now. Until just now. <laughs> the brain you're didn't five minutes old. Yeah. So Bridie, um almost for the like, same reasons, but it's her character, when I was reading it, I, I, I felt like I could really identify with her in, in the birth world. Like, if you read this book, she was the doula, right? She was in the room, the extra set of hands, the, you know, maybe not the connection with the birthing people, but she just felt a little bit like what we do in our work. And I sometimes blindly I too feel like I just move forward and not really think all the time and is that a good characteristic or not and it's just how she was just so there and just so I got you I got this and you know for the nurse to turn around and go how could you expose yourself knowing that you hadn't had this flu she's like well you needed help so here I am and I had to show up now just her unselfishness but also her willingness to do so much good when so much shit had been done to her, like, mm. and all the admittance of what happened to her in her past and in the church and all of that stuff. And, but she was just so full of love and availability to be there for others. And then, you know, show her love for, you know, it's just, I just thought she was great. She was great. And I yelled at the book this morning, like, don't you kill her. Don't you dare. Damn it, Emma! Why do you have to do this? Thank you. Kim? Um, I like Dr. Lynn. Um, I think she, especially at the time, and of course being Irish myself, um, (laughs) I completely got her convictions to stand up for her people and you know what was happening with the British and the Catholic Church and things like that mm-hmm. um, so I kind of I, I appreciated you know the convictions that she had and her ability to just go in and say oh yeah you're super capable you just handle that like you're good I'm gonna go over here and do some life-saving stuff you stay here and you just do what you do and I give you permission to do all that stuff whereas the male doctors were like you can't do that. You can't do any of this stuff. Like you're. Let me get my equipment out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you, you know, did you read that she's a real person. That this yeah. is. Not- yeah. She's an actual historical figure. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. Yes, yeah. that was cool. Mm-hmm, yeah. I like that. 
-hmm. yeah so so yeah it was just um i i almost i mean i really liked sort of the patients themselves too like not any individual one but just who they were and the the dynamics of where they came from and then when all is said and done like you have the one who's you know um you know a little bit more upwardly mobile and then one you know 12 kids and you know all of this stuff and yet when it all comes down to it and you boil it all down to the very last to the very last second you're all just birthing mothers and you're all going through the exact same thing in the exact same room at the exact at this time and there's really no difference between any of you and I thought that was a an interesting parallel to uh to throw in and as I say I like the sort of the individual characters the mothers themselves okay my turn my favorite character that I just realized as you guys were talking um, is Julia. Like the main character is my favorite. Maybe that's just me and it's just simply because I know the most about her. So I didn't feel I could, I didn't feel much for the other characters because I didn't know very much about them, but I knew a lot about Julia and I loved her, her work ethic and her commitment to her patience. And that's, those were the saviors during that pandemic those are the saviors today and all by herself she was able to um commandeer that fever room and and have these births happen even in defiance of the the male doctor that came in who wanted to use who wanted to saw the woman's pelvic bone in two Hello. oh my god i have never heard about that but we're going to talk about that stuff too yeah. Um, so I love Julia because of, of her strength, her courage, her smartness. She was so smart. Her openness, her non-judgmental attitude and way of being. And I was able to see all of that because she was the one that we, we read the most about. So maybe that's a little bit of a cop-out, but I did. I liked her. I liked her very, very much. Very close second is Dr. Lin. Um, but again, she just flitted in and then flitted out and flitted in and flitted out. And then she got arrested, taken away by the cops, and that was that. Yeah. Carissa? My favorite is Julia, for sure. I really, I thought she would be someone that I'd want to know. You know, you'd, you'd, someone that you'd want, if you were sick, you'd want her to come take care of you. I want to be more like Julia. I want to be more capable and that, that I, that, you're good on the fly and all those things. Mm -hmm. I think that she was trusting as well. She just gave things to, to Bridie to do and was willing that she just trusted that it was going to happen. Or, um, but she was very confident and I liked that about her. Yeah, I loved that character. She was a great character. Yeah. Well, can I just say something? Yeah. Mm. I was The reason I didn't choose Julia is because, especially in the very beginning of the book, she, the the when you had like her thought process and stuff, um, I felt her to be kind of downputting of the mothers that had multiple children. And, and she was almost the thought processes that she had about these mothers that were on their like ninth and 10th child, you know, and how, how bad that was and things like that. For me, that was very off-putting that, you know, you don't know their life. Like you don't know, you're yeah. making these assumptions and right. that kind of put me that, off. That. And yeah. that's why I didn't choose her really as my favorite. 
I, I, I know those parts that you're talking about. My impression of those things that she said and the thoughts that she had were not that the women were bad, but the situations that they're put in were bad because there was no birth control and they're just constantly getting pregnant over and over and over and without control any control. Yeah without any control of their, their fertility at all, that I felt like she was making a statement about that, not on the morality of the... Yeah, when I read it, it didn't feel like sympathy. It felt like No, I, it didn't feel like sympathy either. It didn't feel like sympathy. It felt like a harsh statement about... Yeah, and, and, I, and I get what you're saying. I guess it, it, that isn't sort of how I pictured it in my head. I was like, and I mean, especially nowadays when we're like sitting here talking about, you know, um, bias and, you know, implicit bias and all these things. It's like, mm, you know what, maybe we need to be a little more empathetic and step into those shoes and see, you know, maybe that mother, you know, grew up wanting to have a large family and things like that. And you're, you're putting your, your thoughts into them without necessarily asking the questions, you know, how do you feel about having your 10th child? Right. So I think I was, yeah. I'm probably using a, a lens of today uh, on on a on a picture of yesterday. Mm -hmm. Well, sticking with the character along the theme of characters, is there any uh, celebrity who you can imagine? Because one of her books, one of Emma Donna Hughes' books, was made into the movie Room. Um, who was it? Nicole Kid, not Nicole Kidman. That other actress with the red hair played the woman in Room. Julia right? Roberts. No, no. Julie, but wasn't Julianne Moore more in the room? No, it was Brie oh. Larson. Brie Larson oh. was in. Brie Larson. Okay, why am I picturing? Isn't she the mother? Is Julia Juliet Moore the okay. redhead? Is she the mother of the child? Of oh, I, I didn't. I haven't seen the movie because well, I just didn't want oh, to. Look at Look it up. Who who starred in Room and was Julianne Moore in there? But um, for this book, is there any celebrity? who you had in your head for any of the characters. There is a, there is an actress. Oh my God. Where did I, now she, now she's, now the, the show that she was in is gone for Bridie. I had somebody in my head and, and did Bridie have red hair? Did yeah. she say that Bridie had red hair? Yeah. yeah. This, this actress that I have in my head didn't have red hair, but whatever. Is there anybody though, who you pictured, um, as as any of the characters no i do that no. all the time you don't do that no, no not I'm me not star. I, I would never know their name anyway so that <laughs> i'd be like no. there's no. an old there's an old british tv show um called tenko i think it's from the 70s and it's a it's a historical tv show really really good about this group of british women in a japanese prisoner of war camp during world war ii really good and one of them is a doctor and it's her face is who i have picturing uh -huh. for kathleen what's her name dr lynn what's her first name kathleen is it kathleen because yeah. i'm thinking kathleen lynn like our former premier kathleen Wynn. no 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 that's not it but it is kathleen lynn right and yeah it's her face that i'm picturing to be the the doctor in um that that british that older british actress and i know that dr lynn is not as old as I'm imagining this person to be, but yeah. I watch a lot of British TV shows and Australian TV shows, so those people are always in my head. Mm -hmm. No? Do you know who I saw for Dr. Lynn? Who? 
Oh my goodness. And I cannot believe, because we've discussed so often her name and not an actress. She's a doctor at St. Mike's. Tesler? Tesler. No. Oh. No. I don't know this, why. This Dr. Lynn is an activist. She's she's like, she knows how to like use guns and climb on the rooftops and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know why that's what stuck into my head. But no, Tesla, no. Tesla is an old, dried up, leather. She might listen to this podcast. She does not listen to this podcast. God's so, sake. No way. This is the woman I'm talking about. This actress here. This is is she young, actually that old? No, she's not that no, old. No, no, no. I know she. That's I what I said. She's like not. That. She's not this old. But uh, this is the actress that I was picturing in my head to play Dr. Lin. Maybe there's a younger picture of her when she was much younger. But yeah, that's who I was imagining. For Birdie, I actually did think of Saoirse Ronan. Okay. Yeah, she's like a blondie redhead. But uh, she popped into my head when they were first describing her when she was younger, because she was very bird-like when she was see, younger. I could see her for Julia, and then one of the Fannings for Bridie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't usually do that though. What is she? I just on? read the book. I, when I'm reading it, this is who I'm picturing in my head, though. That's and once I get that person's face in, in I can't get it out. Yeah, yeah. So it was just just my little when I read, I do that. So okay, um, okay. Let's <clears throat> let's talk about the romance. What did you think about the romance? Talk to me about this romance Didn't between Julia and Brady. Didn't. Didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming? No. Nobody saw it coming. No? no, nope, not in a million years. No. So, how do you, as a, as a as a literary element, what are your what are your thoughts? As a literary element, it was the bomb. Like it was amazing. Like who wasn't sitting there with their jaw dropped? Like what? Yes. Yes. In the nineteen twenties, of course that happened, right? Yeah. Yes. It happened since it all made sense. Yeah. It made sense when they were on the roof and they didn't want to be apart from each other. And then it's almost like that feeling when you meet a new friend, but a guy or a partner or a female, whatever you're, you're, you're into. But yeah, that feeling of not wanting to be away from each other. And then that kiss, oh, it was so good. I loved it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, a good, it was a, good, a good twist. Was it good for you, Kim? <laughs> I, to be quite honest, no. I, I thought it was, I thought it was, and I, I thought it was a waste of pages, to be completely honest. Like you just sort of threw this in, in like the last 10 pages going. Oh, and by the way, they're in love. Yeah. What the fuck is happening here? Like, can we just get back to like what's going down, what's happening in the thing? I, but I don't, not a big fan of romance novels. I'm not a big fan of romance. And I watch TV and these doctor shows and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, let's get in there. Let's cut some stuff up and let's do this. And then it's suddenly like, oh, but I love you. Oh, what the fuck is that? Just get that off my screen. I just want to know the story. But it just felt like it was tossed in there. And I yeah. get what you're saying. Like, that friendship, that camaraderie, that closeness, I think that can happen without it jumping to romance and sexual sexualizing of that. 
when it jumped to that, I was like, oh, whatever, let's just keep moving. But that's me. Like, I'm not, for me, the romance died like, you know, 10 years ago. So I don't think that, I think romance <laughs> is dumb. So. Dumb. Dumb. Yeah. yeah. So dumb. And that's, what's that's, where, that's where I live. Yeah, interestingly, I interestingly, I love romance. I lo I'm dying for romance. I'm, I'm like casting spells to bring romance back into my life. I think romance makes everything better and nicer, and I didn't like it either. What I didn't like, like I didn't it. Like, no. Again, I felt like I'm a Donahue, like again, as a literary element, not just like as a statement on life. Of course, there oh. were same-sex relationships in 1918, of course. I, I felt like she, it was a token. That's what it was. Yeah. It felt like it was ah. a token, a token lesbian relationship to make it more palatable for people of our times. And she, th so, so what would have been better for me, I wouldn't have minded if they had looked at each other and realized there was something more and there was something growing between them and then it ended before you could, that could, that would mean more to me rather than, oh my God, all of a sudden she's like devastated and she's going to, how's she going to live without Bridie? Yes, spent three days with her. What about the part with the doctor in the office with the picture on her desk? That I appreciated. I think that, that was actually true about Kathleen Lynn. Because was that, that was that her partner? Was it your sister? And she and, and they didn't tap into it, but it definitely yeah. alluded to it. Yeah, well, I, I think I would have preferred if the way the way I was writing it in my head as I was reading it through was that they were going to be on that rooftop, they were going to you know be together as friends and 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 as camaraderie, and then Julia was going to take her from the system and and bring her into her family that's what i wanted to see i wanted to see that sisterhood i wanted yes. to see that you know saving her from that crap that yes. that she had grown up all her life and, and then suddenly they were kissing and then suddenly trade. she's dead yeah that's craft her as in craft help her craft her trade as a nurse yes you know? yeah, um, be a nurse yeah, yeah, that's what I would have liked to have seen. That's how that's how my head went. And because it went completely off the rails from where I had expected it to go, I was yeah. like, oh, And I mean, sucks. if she had to die, fine. She had to die. Sure. But I would have liked Julia to have felt um, grief for the a loss of a potential deep friendship rather mm -hmm. than this sort of fake loss of, because this is my feeling about romance, is that the media, like we make it seem like instant, that it can happen instantly, and that's not friggin' true. That yeah. friendship, friendship is much more, it, friendship is deeper, friendship, and real romance takes a long time, and it doesn't last, it's, it's superficial. But so if she had focused on this friendship, and if she had felt grief for the loss of a, a really deep potential friendship, I would have appreciated that more than this kiss that stirred up all these feelings that she didn't know she had, whatever. Yeah. Well, okay. And I, and I think as well, if there had been some inkling in the pages before in the, the days before mm -hmm. that, you know, where their hands touched or, you know, yes. where, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if there had yeah. been something like that, then mm -hmm. I could see that romance mm -hmm. as, as a really good literary thing that, you know, being up on the roof, then they did realize, but it was like, there was nothing like zero 
and then suddenly they're kissing and now she's like brokenhearted and and it's like you say like um you you didn't even have feelings for her until like that very second and then three hours later she's dead so yes, i'm sorry why is your hours. heart broken <laughs> she went from realizing oh my god i'm in love with her and it was hours later that she was dead yeah, like that was that was too much of a wild ride, Emma. I God. love that though. I love when I'm oh. expecting one thing. Like you guys said, I totally saw this this development of this camaraderie and this uncertain sense of trust of this person she barely knows, but for some reason is feeling drawn to helping and leading and what I felt was kind of like mentoring happening. And That's, yeah. I, I love that I got fucked over. Like, I love that what I, where I thought it was going was completely sidelined by Birdie's decision, Bridie's decision to just <laughs> kiss her, to go with whatever she was feeling in that moment and, yeah. and kiss her. I, I, I love that I got messed up. I, now, think, I, I, I think in my head, Bridie was younger than I guess maybe she was. Like, when, mm. to me she was like a 16, 17 year old kid and Julia was mm. a full grown ass adult. Like, I don't know, I, that's another, like the dynamic that kind of messed with my head. I'm like, well, that seems super weird. But like, you talked why? about their ages. Yeah. Yeah, but they were guessing at her age. Right. And, was, and yeah. given how young she acted and the fact that she did lie about actually being, um, you know, that she had it yeah I was like clearly this girl is younger than what she's saying mm -hmm. um and that whole dynamic was like mm, I don't know about yeah. that that just seems kind of icky to me problematic dynamic yeah well there that was where the lack of character development for her comes yeah. in right like yeah. true true think yeah. about like how many years did she spend in that convent without even being out and around other people to build social skills? Maybe she acted young because she just didn't have the exposure. Like there's, we could go on and on and speculate about how and why she was the way she was. But um, I too just, I love the jaw. I love the shock. I love the look what the look what's unfolding here. You never saw this coming. I love that in a book and mm -hmm. I am a hopeless romantic and I certainly will not speak to romance in a same-sex um idea because i'm in a heterosexual relationship but i do have gay friends and i have the lesbian friends that i have I will admit every time they fall hard and they fall fast and then it ends just as quickly when it ends it's like in and out lesbian like there it seems like with the, a pretty big yeah. statement to make <laughs> yeah but in and out in and out yeah. but that that's what a friend has shared with me like we just seem to fall hard and fall fast like that's just what we do I'm like well okay. and what I've noticed too in uh, some other uh, books that I've read there's at least two other books I, I can't think of them now that I did in my other book club where there's all of a sudden this poof this lesbian romance just pops up and you're like oh okay I didn't see that coming it makes it, it, I feel like there's this, there's this theme or this trope that, um, that women don't know who they are and don't know who their sexuality is until somebody sits on a roof with them and kisses them. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh my God, this is amazing. I think I'm gay. Even, even if they don't have those words for it, because if, if even in 1918, a woman knows what she feels all through your life, you know, 
who you feel feelings for and who you don't feel feelings for. And that continues and continues. And maybe, yes, eventually at some point you get your first kiss and you realize, oh my God, yeah, this is, this is home. This is what it's supposed to be like. But in the books, they mention nothing, nothing about the person's sexuality. And then it's, it is as if it just happens all at once in that one thing. And I just don't feel, I don't, I'm just not there for it. It feels like tokenism. Yeah. Uh, it feels like they're just throwing that in there for a little sensationalism and titillation. Just here's some lesbian sex for you. There you go. Just throw that in there. Make it a little oh, come on, The only kiss I would have, come on. There was only a kiss. Well, it, 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 you know, it was, yes, that's true. So it wasn't like they that's didn't rip each other's clothes off on the rooftop. Right? Because the other people getting this book, they're like, okay, where's the lesbian Where sex? Where's the lesbian <laughs> <laughs> I'm misleading you all into going out and buying it with, in the hopes of <laughs> porn. It's not, it's not like that at all. But I do feel like that it was thrown in there for a little bit of a little bit of titillation, a little bit of um, uh, you know, just to to make it interesting. And I didn't need it. And I, I think as well too. I think it does a disservice too. Um, you know, same-sex couples and, and lesbian relationships that we didn't have that nice build-up to, you know, they glanced across the room, they yes. their hands brushed against one another, you know, they, they bumped shoulder to shoulder, you know, where you have that sort of, oh, the little butterflies and things like that. Like, why, that's not fair to not to not think that that stuff doesn't happen either. And as you say, as, yes, yeah, like I mean. as, as a toke, a, a trope, it's like, we well, deserve be, that too. Like, come on. It would be interesting to get feel the, those. It would be interesting to get the representation then of somebody who lives their life in uh, a lesbian relationship and their sexuality is around this to comment on it because maybe yeah. we shouldn't be commenting it on it at all. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying Sex, how it makes you feel. Sexuality is is a spectrum too, right? It's true. Like, there's there's a massive spectrum in sexuality, and true, true, um, true. this is absolutely true too. Like I I will admit on YouTube on this podcast, there have been women in my life who I have wanted to kiss like that, I, and it never came to fruition. Our and six YouTube listeners are shocked. <laughs> this I wanted to kiss a couple of girls in my life and that, that tillation is, has been on the brink for me. And I've, I'm married to a man now for 22 years, but mm -hmm. I, I can't say that I haven't been in that spectrum of. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you're saying that you've had the butterflies so, and you've yes, had the. You've had that. You know, and that maybe, so why maybe didn't we get day, that in this book? Right. Maybe one day if you did get the, you did get the right kiss from the right girl, then that would be it for you. But that's what I'm saying is we didn't get any of that. Julia was the straight lace, like eight, practically like no sexuality about her. This thick of a book to get. Yeah, and I would have, and I would have absolutely happily read that thick of a book for a yeah. little more character development in all, in everybody. Yeah. But they everybody. had to get it published. They had to get it published quick, quick during yeah. quarantine to make it. To, she admits it. Rush, rush. Yeah, go, that's go. true. She admits it at the end, right? We we just wanted to get this out. So that's talk to me about these no quotation marks. Why? Why? What the fuck? Oh my god! Is what there? Does the anybody fuck? know of any reason 
why an author would do that. I didn't look it up. I was going to I've look never it seen it before. Never I seen have. it before. I've seen it in one other book, but it was written a little differently. It was a million little pieces. Remember that concept? I read that. James Fry, I think yes. his name is. Yeah. Yes, yes. His, the way he wrote his book, every single sentence was on a different line. I forgot about that. Yes. So there was no quotations, but you didn't have to like differentiate thought and, and, and words. Dialogue. Yeah. yeah. So that's the only other time I saw it. And even getting used to that method of writing, I was like, what the hell are you, like, this is using up a whole shitload of paper, dude. Like, <laughs> blend this shit together but, but having it blended like that that's the only other time I saw it was in James Fry's book and I, it was hard that time and it was harder in this book like yeah, I don't because you kept on having to like because the sentences would run on then you're like oh okay dialogue ends there and then this thought or action continues there yeah. and I kept on having to like what, what, okay do that and I'm gonna I'm, google it maybe there's something on google about it yeah if there is there's got to be some um, she just didn't feel like doing it like that one day because her publisher would have said, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but then the, the hard part was too, one, like when you're, you're reading and you read chapters and then, and then you stop and then you go back the next night to read and you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Okay. I've got to, I've got to switch my brain over. Okay. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? And yeah, yeah, it's like, shit, did she say that out loud? Right. You just did think that. that did yes. she hear it? Did like, somebody else say it? Was she yeah, who, who actually said it? Who said it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that drove me nuts. Um, that it drove me nuts too. And I don't, I hope you, I wonder if you'll find anything, Christine, because I don't know. There was a couple of things that I highlighted that I thought were hilarious because, and I don't know if it's a British thing or a European thing, but in Jamaica, people use this word all the time. On page 52 in, in my copy here, uh, Delia Garrett coughed pointedly. Whenever you two are finished titivating, I'm gasping for a cup of tea, she said. <laughs> and in Jamaica, we say that all the time. You say that about somebody who's getting all dolled up for a specific reason to try to attract somebody or whatever. Titivating, it's a, it's a lovely word. And I was thrilled. I was thrilled to see it in here. It might be an Irish thing or a British thing or whatever, but it certainly made it to the Caribbean. So, so I found something that said, um, the novel has no quotation marks around the speech. So Julia's thoughts and spoken words blur into each other. Quote, unquote, I wanted to create a really kind of trippy atmosphere where the whole thing felt like an exhausted dream, Donahue says. What? People's oh. words are just not that clearly distinguished from the words in the government posters on the wall, the words going through her head, the things she's trying to remember. It just makes the reader feel a little less safe and makes them work just a little harder. She's fucking right about all of that. Right. Yep. It I mean, it did so annoying, right? The <laughs> absolute exhaustion that she was experiencing was just one thing leading into another, leading into another an experience, yeah. a thought, being exhausted, caring for her brother, trying to put things into separate boxes, but you're absolutely not able to. Got Everything it. Together. It's like chaos. Yes. Three days of chaos. It did well, feel like chaos, yeah. If that was her intention, she did an excellent job. And if that was her reason for doing that, then she it worked. Because saying that this, that is the best description 
this book felt like an exhausting dream. That's exactly, it was crazy, it was wild. Some parts of it didn't make any sense. It was like you were on the edge, you were a little bit scared and it, that's exactly what it felt like, an exhausting dream and that was her intention. So all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move it up. I'm gonna, what did I give her, six and a half? I'm gonna give, give it a six because of that now. Because she said, because she I heard- have that right at the front. She should have that explanation, like- Right at the front. Yeah. yeah. I shouldn't have to Google that after I've read the damn book. I was reading this book and I knew I started it and I'd only gotten like maybe a, like two thirds and I knew I had to finish it. So it's definitely one of those books. It is an easy read. So you could do it in like a day because I finished the other half of it last night. Mm -hmm. So that, cause it did, I, I actually enjoyed it more when I cram read it because you kind of got that feeling building up of that. Of yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like binge watching a show. Yeah. You really get, I think you get more out of the show than watching one episode a week for yeah. a year. Yeah. yeah. I, lo I loved that part. Yeah. I loved reading it that way. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Anything else, any other quirkiness about the book that you thought it's, was? It's not quirky, but I really loved learning the true meaning of influenza and where that came from. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From the, from the, um, uh, uh, which is the title of the book, The Pull of the Stars, comes That's from, great. tell us, Christine, yeah. share that with us. It's on page 147, because I, I, I tagged me. Another thing you can't do with audiobooks, which uh, maybe you can yeah. somehow, but I, I don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, that's what influenza means, she said. Mm -hmm. Influenza del Stella, the influence of the stars. Medieval Italians thought the illness proved that the heavens were governing their fates, that the people were quite literally star-crossed. So influenza is the um, uh, Latin word for influence. So the influence of the stars. So influenza flu, that's where the words came from. Yeah, I had worked that page as well, which is funny. Oh, fun. But the, the other thing was how they pulled the end of it, how they were on the rooftop, and I know it's not everyone's favorite part, but they were looking up at the stars, and it was a clear night, and there was the, all the stars, and I thought that was See, I love that part of the whole rooftop scene. Mm -hmm. I love the rooftop scene, but I just yeah. didn't appreciate the, the romance part of it. Yeah. But I loved the... Um, them being up there together and looking at the stars and sort of yeah. kind of spend the night there and killing time there and all of that. And well, now looking back retrospectively, knowing that it was, it was Bridie's kind of last yeah. time. As a, as a birth worker, I loved something that happened on page 198 as well. It's when Mrs. O'Reilly is having her baby after all those days of mm. labor. Yeah. This is when she did the the Welch's remove maneuver. Yeah. yeah, 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 And then yeah. basically got the head born, and then she says a hasty physician would grab the head now and deliver the body himself. But I'd been taught better. Watch and wait. I was like, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about this birth. These births. Mm. <sighs> what did you think about the way that Emma Donahue? wrote about birth we i mean we touched on it a little bit that some of it well i said that i felt like a lot of it was sensationalized um but what else what else did you feel about i the, mean i think for the, i think for the most part um you know she got a lot right which is 
which is very unusual, um, despite it being, you know, very sensationalized. But I was just looking, I had dog-eared, yes, I dog-eared my book. So I know. It's your book. It's my damn book. I paid for it. Right, you paid Where she called on page 213, where she called an actual posterior lie a breech birth. I'm like, uh, oh, did she? I didn't get yeah. that. Wait, 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 wait. What was that? Because I remember something about that. What so page was that? Th this was Honor White's birth, um, uh, 213. For a breech birth, uh, wrong birth, way, up, way up, you might have tried to persuade the tiny passenger to flip over by pressing on the abdomen for, a present, for, for this presentation. It was best to use gravity. I got Honor White out of bed and sat her on a chair leaning forward, which was perfect. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. But technically, not really a breech birth. I mean, unless... I don't think she was saying that though. She said, for a breech birth, I might have tried to persuade the tiny. Like, if this was a breech birth. So the, the wrong, the wrong way up, up, meaning the head was at the top, not the wrong way. Yes, breech birth maybe. with the head, with the head up. But this was a posterior. This was a posterior baby, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Um, I, I guess I read that wrong because it, it seemed to me like she was calling it breach. Yeah, really yeah, I don't, I think she was saying for a breech birth, I might have tried, tried to, flip it. to flip the baby, but this is what she did instead. She got her on the, she got her on a chair to lean right. forward. From her hands it says, hands. but for this presentation, it was best yes. to use gravity. So the presentation yes. of posterior. And then she did that thing. She told her to get on her hands and knees for a posterior baby. Yeah. 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 How many times so, did you say, yes, that's right. I would have done that. that. Like every, every, every birth, I was like, yep, that's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. That, that's right. It says in the back that she consulted with a midwife. So she, yes, she did that's have, good. she wrote, she, she consulted with the expert to say, make sure I don't get any of this shit wrong. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Very annoying when that happened. I, th I thought it was accurate. I liked that. I had to Google a couple things because I didn't know what they were. Um, and that whole pubic bone thing, that what? was- How horrifying was that? That was a you thing. You what in what? <laughs> yeah, what? That, that was a thing. That was a thing. Oh, I had never heard of that. Me either. That's I've had, actually. Pubic bone. I had too. There's a, there's a book, there's a, a history of birth book. I can't remember the name of it. Ooh, really? I, I, need, I need that because I need it for another <laughs> reason. Anybody else? I'll Google it. Talk mm -hmm. amongst I feel like I did have one at one they, point. And I they talked. They talked about that in history. Like they talked about the, like how C sections came to be and yeah, the history of births. The stats also in the book were really interesting about women or children that were poor or underprivileged not living past that year. Like mm -hmm. wow, wow, how lucky are we? And you see Julia having glimmers of uh, social conscience when thinking to herself. Well, it's not that there's something wrong with the kids. It's because of the situations that they're yeah. born in. And if a child is born in a situation where they're despised and not cared for and not fed properly, of course they're going to die more often. That makes sense. Oh, it's I have that book. Oh, I, I read it clearly. What's it called? It's called The Surprising History of How We Were Born. And it's called Birth by Tina Cassidy. I think yeah. I read that book and it, and it felt like it was missing a lot. Yeah, I think I started and put it down a couple times. I have yep. it. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Right. Um, what else do I have here for you? A 
Oh yeah, so I said birthing details, any wild ones, gory ones, questionable things that she did. Um, uh, so one comment that I had is that maybe this is just because I'm old now. Uh. <laughs> but um, at my, I had another book club meeting on Saturday and we read The Dutch House. I don't know if anybody's read The Dutch House. I loved no. it. I, I gave that book an eight. I loved it a lot. But everybody was saying, oh, I, I wanted more. I wanted more. I'm like, what the hell is with you people wanting more? <laughs> Be satisfied. So the birth house was, uh, it's like a family, family saga almost. And there are things that happen in the story that are infuriating that make you think like, oh my God, this just needs to be fixed. This can't stay like this. But it was so very real, like real life. You see injustices happen and they just keep happening. And if you, if, if you take a slice of somebody's life, like how this is a slice of life, it's three days in the middle of this craziness that's happening, um, things are not going to get fixed. And, and, and I would be annoyed if, if she wrapped it all up neatly because that's not real. That's not, that's not how things go. But I don't mind having a slice of, some, of life and having just a story be told about these people at this time. And that might just be, an, I feel like it's a pandemic quarantine thing. I don't have any interest in reading things or watching things that are wild, adventurous, overly dramatic. If you're gonna tell me a story, just tell me like a, a, a family story that's just about ordinary family stuff. Things happen, people die, people are born, and things but just move on. Some people yeah. will argue that that sounds boring as hell. Yeah, I know. And I don't always feel like that, but at this moment, that's what I'm craving. And so I don't mind when I don't get you know, all kinds of exciting action and adventure and all of that. I, a slice of life is okay. And so that I appreciated that about this book, that it was a slice besides all the other criticisms. But if it's, if it's a historical fiction, how is it, how's the pandemic supposed to be fixed? There's no, I mean, she could have made Bridie survive it, I guess. She could have gotten the flu and then survived it. But that's just my comment on, on the kind of books that I like and what I don't, I don't mind not getting exciting plot twists and turns and all of that. Eh, nah, just give me ordinary stuff that makes sense. How did you guys feel about her taking the baby at the end? So good. Oh, she had to. I mean, yes. come on. Yes, she's Julia. She had to. Yeah. It seemed like something Julia would do. And I love when she went to the priest and said, was it the priest or the doctor? Priest. Priest. Oh, priest and said, basically, give me the fucking baby, you stupid asshole. And <laughs> well, she had to say that to the nun. The nun had the baby. The nun was walking yeah. left yeah. with the baby. Yeah. Oh, so how do you feel? Is anybody here Catholic? Steph, aren't you Catholic? I'm Anglican. Anglican. Do you want to hear the uh, portrayal of the clergy? It was pretty harsh on the Catholic yeah. clergy. It yeah. could have as easily been the Anglican church. Yes, it was very accurate the misogyny the the way you have to ask abuse yeah, yeah all of it Absolutely. all of it i'm i'm so my my family my mother um is the first of 17 children mm -hmm. so my, God. my very irish catholic grandmother uh was born and raised in newfoundland and 
what my family has endured at the hands of 17 children is, is its own book in itself. Mm -hmm. So there was parts in that book where it made me so angry, but that's only because of what my past is about and my experience. Like, so my mom had a baby out of wedlock before I was born and was pretty much forced to give that baby up for adoption. Mm. So a lot of this book was hitting really close to home. So um, the story ends lovely for our family. I found my brother um, and we have a relationship and my mom has so many prayers and her prayers answered to knowing he's well, but what women suffered at the hands of an organized religion is absolutely atrocious. Like of some of the injustices in the world, if I could undo yeah, don't, yeah, it's... You, you would undo half of them if you wiped out the Catholic Church doings, yeah. Okay, thank you for you saying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a recovering Catholic. Another book I just read, which is incredible, and it's a Canadian um, book, and it's uh, near and dear to my soul because I'm a Newfie, and I love Great Big C. And the oh, one member of Great Big C who left the band, he wrote a book. And yes, he did. Yeah, and now yeah. He, lives, he lives in the same village as me. Oh, in Manitoba. What's it called? It's called One Good Reason, and it's all the story of his life and how he was sexually abused by a priest. Wow. In Newfoundland. Wow, I yeah. love Great Big C. Me too. Yeah. If, you, if you thought you knew everything about me, surprise! <laughs> I love the Maritimes and I love Great Big C. Yeah. And his journey is just amazing. Pardon, stuff. His journey, his decision to leave uh, the band, like how it it all connects. Yeah, is really amazing. This book is amazing. It really, it really, truly is. And there's, I don't want to spoil it. Get the book and look. When you finish reading, the last page is my favorite. I don't know if you have the 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 hands book stuff, but the last page is so special. I, I only read a preview, like a, an excerpt that was done initially before it came out, but um, I'd heard about it coming out and what was what was going to be released and what he was going to share. So I was really excited to read that. It's on my list. It's a good one. Amazing. Well, that's all I got for y'all. Woo-hoo! And it's been a ride. <laughs> been a ride. <laughs> and we will try and figure out what our next book is going to be. Yeah. I saw one at chapters. I saw one at chapters. What'd you see? Oh God, I don't remember what it's called, but it's Canadian. But when I read it, when I read the, the, what's it called? Like the summary inside the cover, it sounds so much like The Handmaid's Tale. You know, like how after Twilight, there was a million books about Is it the birth tent? The one I spoke about, the birth tent. The birth tent? No, no, that's not it. The birth yard. Yes. That's it. The birth yard. It is I very it similar. Sounds, it sounds good, but so it good. sounds like, is it really good? Well, that's the one I was thinking, and I'm like, oh, except that it sounds exactly like The Handmaid's Tale, and why don't that's we just do I the Handmaid's Tale? Well, I never read The Handmaid's Tale, so I don't mind reading that one. I loved it. My daughter's going to read it next, but I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Well, I don't know what Alexander's first book. We'll think, well, uh, what, what's her name? 
Mallory Tater. Mallory Tater. Yeah. I mean, I, I love The Handmaid's Tale and I have read it a million times and I wouldn't mind reading it again because it's, it's one of my books like Anne of Green Gables that I'll read and read and read and read over and over and over. So, or we'll do The Birthyard. But well, anyways, we'll let you all know. And we're open to suggestions, so throw us some ideas. Absolutely. Yes. Are you, are we, is it, obviously the books are going to stay centered around birthy world stuff? We'd like to, but I mean, we don't have to. Yeah. I mean, I also was thinking, speaking of tents, the red tent. Yeah, so good. One of my favorite, favorite books. What about that book? All time. Read that a long time ago. Did you watch the miniseries? I didn't. Oh, I just watched so the miniseries. It's so um, well done. Was it well done? I, I didn't see it. Um, but the Red Tent, every single book club has to do the Red Tent. <laughs> it's a thing. Sure. Um, but anyways, that's another one of my suggestions, and that one's really, that's really good, too. It's got birth, it's got women, it's got religion, it's got history, it's ancient history mm -hmm. stuff, and it's just... I forgot all about that book. It's a good one. Go revisit it. The Birth House is good, and that's also Canadian. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Birth House. Great and book. And it's at Times. That's right. Nova Scotia. Yeah. yeah. That gets my vote. The Birth House? The yeah. Love that's that really book. good book, too. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we hope you liked our book club episode, and we've inspired you to pick up a book and start reading. Pick up this book and start reading it. Tell us how wrong we are or how right we are. We welcome your opinions. <laughs> oh, any last words, people? Thank you to Miss Christine and Miss Carissa. Thank you so much. Go for having me. It was so fun. Yeah, it was job. fun. All thanks right. For, thanks for opening up to have guests and keep doing what you're doing, ladies, because. Canadian content for doulas is important, and I, I love listening to you guys. Oh, Learn something every time. Bless your heart. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> I'm off to a postpartum shift now. All right. Good. Ha go do, go a, earn that money. Go earn that money. Do it. Uh, have a great one, everybody. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to and subscribe. Bye.